I did love the fact that there's a warlord villain called the Green Mount Alishi because we were just talking about that song <clears throat> by Judas Priest that's originally Fleetwood Mac song but the Judas Priest one um, but the Judas I would Priest not say that we were talking <laughs> we about were, that we were on Tuesday I remember you I was talking about it I was telling it. Jeff and about it and then he said let's listen to that let's listen to some Judas Priest and what did I say you said no I said no <laughs> and we did not listen to Judas Priest but look if you had you'd have another level of understanding for this character called the Green Mount Alishi <laughs> Dead I don't Jeff, know who doesn't have a two prong crown Jeez, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Podcast episode 166. Remember Tuesday, we get a whole bunch of comic books. We'll bring them back to our comic shop that we know, love, spend all of our life in. Smell like. Smell like. Or it smells like us, one direction or the other. Chicken or the egg, buddy. And, oh, fuck. Man. I'm eating your life. You're eating my life and my eggs. <laughs> Where was my intro at? And the pound, um, and, the and then we, uh, you know, we, we hang out in the shop for Wednesday, then we bring all those books upstairs to uh, record a podcast together with the people that we know and love, and we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to that shop, the comic books that we read, or the comings and goings of our lives. I'm Jeff. I wonder what the difference between Gas-X and antacids is because I've eaten several of both and it might just be the same thing. I'm Django and I wonder what the difference between Gas X and Donovex is because <laughs> I don't use Gas X, uh, but I've read some of the Donovex. <laughs> One of you has to say something. <laughs> I was trying to think of an X joke. I know, we're both trying to think of something clever and hoping the other one will uh, go I'm, first. I'm, I'm Roman and uh, I'm wondering what the, if they have like Gas X as a problem in the bathroom of X. Ooh. Okay, all right. He's on to something. In the house it's, of X. It super wasn't done incubating. No, but, no it There was, was something no. there. I like no. the idea of a bathroom of X in the house of X. The, the, the yeah. bird that is Roman was definitely <laughs> incubating an egg, like uh, an idea that... <laughs> Why are you so good at bird sounds? I mean, it makes sense. Can you do it one more time? <laughs> We had chickens growing up. Oh, you jowled, man. Your mouth is primed for bird content. New rule, Jeff. We can't talk about animals on this show ever again. <laughs> Only if Roman's here. Um, and then is anybody else here? Uh, I'm Colette. And uh, <laughs> and I, I finished incubating my uh, creature a while ago, and boy, does he need some gas X. Oh. Or does he? I mean, really, they're probably the best He's... farts in the world. So. Do they smell pretty good as far as farts go? No. Oh. <laughs> Life is farts, guys. If you're not farting, you're dead. Yeah. And sometimes when you are farting, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's mm -hmm. true. Yeah, yeah. Um, on this show, we like to talk about a bunch of comic books that excite us and really rev our engines. Django, we're going to spoil those comic books. And uh, what are we spoiling? Well, let's spoil the uh, Dawn of Gas X book, Fantastic Four and the X-Men. Uh, Captain America, The End, number one. Batman, 88. It's a piano number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the man who F hashtag oh, ampersand <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> percent sign Good goof. Ed up 
time. Nice. Really good. Quality <laughs> content. I mean, it's not. One. They're going to love that. <laughs> yeah, you forgot the stars. I mean, yeah, it's not an ampersand, <clears throat> but, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, tear him down. Tear him down. What a demo. Let's get him. That's an ampersand in another font. I wasn't. I wasn't. The man who fucked up time number one. <laughs> oh, 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 man. Will Elmer's kids are going to be so bummed. If they, if they got this far. <laughs> it's only going to get worse. If they got this fart, they're in trouble. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the Immortal Hulk. Great power. Number one. Found out that episode 40 was when the first Schlee happened in oh. our, on our podcast. Okay. Savage Avengers, number zero. And Tart, number one. They're I not don't talking about apples. I don't have uh, a, a number right now for how long it took you to read eight books titles. Uh, <laughs> but when I edit this, I surely will. Well, let's talk to uh, Andrew Carlson. Friend of the show. Andrew Fotz. Fotz. Friend of the show. Fotz. Um... Okay, now before I stab you, because I'm tired of you, <laughs> I want to put you in the garbage somewhere. <laughs> Did you put me in a culvert when you cut me? <laughs> I don't know what a culvert is. It's one of those oh, metal things that goes under the road. X-Men Fantastic Four, number one, by Chip Zdarsky and the Dadsons. <laughs> Dadsons. The Dodsons on art, which was a red flag to me before it came out. I ended up liking the art more than I was worried that I was going to, but it still had those real Dodson trappings, you know? What is it that that you consider a Dodson trapping? Because I think that their art is, like, at the very worst, better than serviceable, and sometimes I like it a lot. I think that it is, like, there are some bits in it that are good, but I think that it is very, very generic, and I think all of the faces look very close to the same their eyes i guess wolverine's mouth on those two bothers me i i i in general i don't have a i don't have a beef with them though i don't hate it but there's a lot of like really bad faces and like the backgrounds of things like if you're mm -hmm. not a foreground character in their images then you're you look like uh you know you didn't get much like let's just like these shots of just like smudge people yeah um right. like unfinished Fair backgrounds enough like blatantly unfinished backgrounds like just giant white characters standing in the void um yeah there's just and they they've looked the same for a really long time i, I don't know it's it's i used to like it but then i got pretty tired of it and all that said i think you like this issue oh i like this issue a lot yeah that was just like my preamble to like i don't like it it wasn't as bad as I thought I was worried it was going to be. It was totally fine art. It's, it's your bait and switch. <laughs> Ding! Ding! But uh, what did people who don't have the same problems that Jeff has in the world think about it? Well, listen, Chip Zdarsky, I like him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colette Roman. <laughs> I... I mean, if you're looking for someone who doesn't have the same issues as you, maybe talk to Roman, because I feel a lot of the... Nice. Yeah, I like I I really liked the Dodsons when I first saw their stuff. I was like, this is cool, and then it kind of got stale in that it started to. F I always feel like I'm looking at characters that were kind of pushed into their style as opposed to them drawing characters mm -hmm. <clears throat> in honor of that character. Yeah. Um, that's it. Like I like their cover stuff better than I like their interiors I tend to and it definitely has it's like great moments but you'll have a panel where you've got just like the sloppiest drawn face directly next to a really well executed one like there's a kitty or Kate Pride where 
there's oh, I can't find the how page. How hard but... is it for you to be transitioning to Kate Pride from Kitty Pride? Hey, how you doing with all that? <clears throat> uh, I don't resent it. Uh-huh. I don't resent that I have to make the change, but it's definitely a habit I have to break. Yeah, and uh, and it's a hard one to break. Okay. Um, outside of the couple days I spend here, I don't use the name Kate Pride or Kitty Pride <laughs> that often. <laughs> That's not a good thing. But um. Yeah, it's I catch myself every time. It's like when someone you've known as a he or a she for a really long time tells you that they're they. Okay, cool. I'm going to slip up for quite a while while yeah. I make that transition. Please don't be upset with yeah. me as I fuck up words. <laughs> or like when the hippie tells you their name is Starship now. I'm going to forget that a few times. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Even I'm though it's sorry. a great name. That's, uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great name. Jefferson Starship. Yeah. And and no issue with making a change. Yeah. Just my brain nope. is slow. <clears throat> um, Roman grooves. But do you have feelings about all this? Like, where are you I on do. the Dotsons? Colette oh, and I are in the, the same Dotsons, camp. Um, <laughs> I, I prefer their covers, and I like their art better. Their older art, this I thought was really mediocre Dotsons. This mm-hmm. had anchors, And too. sometimes pretty bad. I'm going to read's face on this panel. Yeah. Well, two things about that. First, it looks like Justin when he's like 45. For sure. <laughs> and the secondly, the look on his face, I was like, did he just like accidentally crap himself? What what is that look? It's supposed to be an emotional thing about his son and I don't know, it's just it's bad. Yeah, that was something Django that I I forgot. That's page 28 from... for everyone just page 20 yeah. talking about a face. Yeah, their pages aren't numbered. So. Yeah. How how did we end up with three separate inkers in this one book when one of the two that's being touted is like the inker and it I I don't know maybe that's where some of this messiness came yeah, from. Yeah, it's but. it's uncommon these days. But okay, we just shit on the art a lot. Yeah, I'll have to I do really something like about this that. comic. I love yeah. this. I comic. thought it was really good. I think it's my favorite of the Dawn of X number ones, aside from the main X Men series, and you know, maybe Marauders. No, but New Mutants. <laughs> New Mutants. I really I remember liking the Marauders issue number one a lot. So the story basically follows the um, Kate Pride tasked by Professor X to go get Franklin Richards and bring him to Krakoa because they had a tight hang in the four-issue limited series X-Men Fantastic Four, published in 1987 or so. I thought that was a really cool <clears throat> callback to mention that series, which I've never read, but I've seen, you know, in yeah. the shop and the back issues all over. And I thought it it spoke... I thought it was great writing because it speaks to how manipulative the X-Men are being. Like The X-Men this, and, and Charles... Specifically, specifically but yeah i mean beast as well like they're mm-hmm. the whole the people in power being real shady and it's not at all outside of the realm of possibility for them to be manipulating a young teen who has a crush on an older girl from a moment in his past like i think that that is a bit of storytelling that implies a much larger story and i think that that's yeah. really well done charles is always been incredibly manipulative and i think we kind of forgot about that because he hasn't been made that way in the movies or anything like that and it got a little lazy of more just like charles telling people what to do when he's been around in the comics for a while and Mm -hmm. people just do what he says and so it changes things that way but this is all this dawn of x stuff has been doing a much better job of like showing and i thought that was a great example of him how much he is actually calculating and maneuvering things and manipulating people to yeah. get his way as opposed to just, I'm smart, so I say so, and everyone listens to me. And Yeah. 
Well, and and one thing that I liked was that Franklin is definitively a mutant, mm-hmm. right? Like the Fantastic Four are not mutants, and their kid is a mutant, um, and so that's why the X Men want to want to get him to live on Krakoa because and he's an Omega level mutant. He's he's a badass, but he's also losing his power, kind of like Spawn. And it started. almost seems like it's. It could possibly be something that Reed is doing or something. Like, we, we learn in here that Reed has put blocks in Franklin's brain that stops the X gene from expressing itself so he's not able to go through the Krakoan gate because he's not technically a mutant, which is not the first time that Reed <coughs> has been doing some super heinous, sketchy stuff with Franklin. Okay. Because um, what was it that happened originally? Like, didn't yeah. he... Um. <clears throat> When he was real little, he he Reed put in because he was just a kid, and Reed was worried that he's gonna lash out with his powers in a tantrum or something. So he kind of not quite lobotomized him, but kind of to dampen his powers. And Sue left him over it. Hmm. They almost got a divorce, and that's when like Medusa or somebody came on the team. So it's interesting that it's like they're staying in line with with this stuff, which just sort of like Chip is such a great writer. He's so good at incorporating a lot of previous stuff. Like everything Mm -hmm. he does seems to come out with like a degree of merit to it and and like contextual basis that I think a lot of writers lack in in there. See, and I was expecting more. I was disappointed in this issue. Oh, really? Because I was expecting more from Zdarsky because I was expecting him to reference that directly. Mm -hmm. Like Sue should have some feelings about that, which, you know, she doesn't bring up. <clears throat> and there's an, been at least one more time since then that Reed messed with Franklin's powers before mm-hmm. this latest one. And also, I was hoping that when Magneto was acting like such a jerk <laughs> in here, or Magneto, whatever, <laughs> when Eric. I like that. Yeah. I, his name is Magento. <laughs> when Magento Thank you. was um, acting like that, I was hoping Reed or someone you know, would bring up, why are you acting this way, you of all people? Uh, concentration camp survivor should understand why Sue doesn't want her child taken from her. Right. So I just felt like it kind of fell down on some real obvious, interesting story points that should be brought up. I thought it was too easy. Their conflict and just instead of going into the same old team versus team thing. I liked how I felt like this could have been an an overwhelming, like a too dense of an issue if we'd tried to fit all the things that were possible to fit in. There were so many references and things from all the characters that could have been brought in, and it might have gotten... I thought it might have gotten a little bogged down. It would have been nice to get some more of that stuff in there, like you are saying. Yeah. But I thought I thought they did a really good job of, like... they the, the conversation between Ben and Franklin in the diner where Franklin's just like, I don't know, he's the smartest man alive, and he's solved all the universe's problems and daily so what does he say so why is it exactly that the two problems he can't solve are you and me and it it just it was a nice little putting a question in there but we want to trust we love this man like but those little questions that come up in your mind about a person and that that inner conflict that you want to push aside and so that kind of that concept of there's always those little voices and reminders in the back of your head of something yeah. that could be wrong, but you push mm-hmm. them down when you love the person and, and how much it seemed like, you know, the, the X-Men were the, um, the ones that were out of line showing up and just like, just because you're a super powerful mutant, we want you to come with us in our isolationist little community and we want to take you away from our, your family. <clears throat> so 
you're rooting against them almost the whole time and then all of a sudden it starts coming out all these things that are these things that reed did to franklin and just like oh nope yeah. everybody has selfish motives and does the wrong thing for the right reasons and what are our scores for this year this whole festival i give it a seven point x oh <laughs> that's very good it's, I liked it. Uh, Chip Zdarsky, so far, has not led me wrong. I haven't disliked anything that he's written that I've read. Yeah, I haven't really either. I would, mm-hmm. I would give this one <clears throat> a seven point five or like an eight. I would give it an eight actually. Um, but the, I think it could have been a much stronger book with different art. Yeah, I'll give it a six and a half. Good thing dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll give it a seven and a half. I really, I really enjoyed it. Despite the things that I bitched about. All right. Captain America, (laughs) The End, number one by Captain America. It's about time Steve Rogers wrote a comic. I know. He does the art. Yeah. 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 This was. Did anybody else read this? Nope. I haven't been reading Mm. The End books, and you have actually been reading all of them. I don't know if I've read all of them. Oh, right. There was the Miles one at first. This is definitely the the best of them. Um, it's, It's our old buddy Eric Larson, former hamster and friend of the store. Fots. (laughs) <laughs> friend of the friend of the store, yeah. When I think that this is really cool, just because it is Eric Larson, who is a huge fan of Kirby, yeah. doing Captain America in the most sort of Kirby'd out art style. Like it definitely harkens back to Kirby's time on Captain America. So it's a cool creator circle. But I didn't read it. Yeah, and even like the very first page, the way he does the introduction, Captain, uh, Captain caption that leads into the title. That's to- totally what Kirby would do in all his books. And it's just a fun book. All these end books are, I guess, set in some kind of dystopian future. And it's just a fun, wacky, Kirby's mid-70s Captain America story. It's over the top and crazy action. And This looks so much yeah. like we're on page like five or six here, and there's just like a nine-panel grid, and it's got Kirby, Kirby Captain America just gymnasticking all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and obviously it looks like Eric had a lot of fun doing this. Um and it's, you know, typical Captain America, everything looks hopeless, but he's not going to give up. And, and there's a moment later when he actually does think, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I should give up. But then, you know, there's a great moment when somebody convinces him no, and he's like, yeah, you're right. And, and he gets back into action, and it's awesome. It's fun. It reminds me of being a kid reading Captain America with my favorite Cheetos and chocolate milk and just digging Cap- Kirby Cap. So, uh, spoilers, <laughs> but does he die at the end? I, Which is what these books are all supposed to be. Are they? Is that what the deal is? Yeah, like the story. I mean, no, he doesn't die. Anything. No. Did you look at that final page? I don't mind myself. But... Kirby'd out hand oh, yeah. in the foreground. <laughs> yeah, like, I panel. love that. <laughs> I yeah, really... it's just so much fun. And really it is a great about, ending. Like Eric Larson's parallels with Jack Kirby. Oh, like, yeah. Super square, super dynamic, yes. exciting poses. Structures. Even when he's not line. really trying. Yeah. You know, like, this I, is obviously an homage, right? Yeah, and I love that cover. I mean, just such a crate, all these red skulls and various demonic cackling poses. Yeah, the red skull <laughs> heads are all very Kirby. Yeah, yeah. And the ending is a great Captain America. He doesn't die. It's a great Captain America moment where he does something just it's so cap that's cool <laughs> then i wonder what the mission because i thought these were supposed to be like the story of these characters final thing yeah I don't, like I miles don't know. died in his and carol died oh, in hers that's yeah. the really? one that i read yeah. yeah huh okay did venom die in the venom one you read uh god it's such a far future um no not really actually okay. Okay. i mean he changes 
into something else, okay. but he doesn't die. Well, I'm curious <laughs> what the sort of editorial mandate on it, this series is. So the end is Captain America retiring. Okay. So, like, he's not allowed on the battlefield anymore. No. Because they, they can't risk but his life. But he's still so saving people. Of course So he Steve is. is still around, but Captain America is dead, I guess. Yeah. yeah. There was a big controversy. Yeah, I don't know what the through line is on these end books. There's a big controversy on this because on the last page... It's credited uh, Captain America created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, which oh, is incorrect. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and so the internet has blown up about that, and nobody's talked about how good the comic is, which is <laughs> kind of garbage. Yeah, that's too bad. Jeez. Like, it's a fucking typo. I'm sure every single template for every credits page in Marvel just says <laughs> created by Stanley yeah. and somebody else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're shitting comics out. I know, that's such six a times bummer, a month too. Right I, now, I mean,. So. Yeah, I saw that on Eric Larson's Facebook page that he didn't notice it either. People until feel somebody vindicated pointed out when to they him. can say, this person fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Or they feel that they get a chance to be a hero for somebody right. when they can say, look, you left out or you ignored yeah. this person or that or whatever. And but the internet is a garbage pile. I'm glad the comic is good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that it's such a injection of like sort of old comic optimism and heroics you know like i love i love when something makes roman feel like kid roman again because man people would have beaten that kid up (laughs) chocolate milk and cheetos i I don't think he ever got to have those as a child my uh i don't think he's ever had those my dad's favorite thing to do was to get use his allowance to go get spider-man comics and cheetos as well that was what he would regular cheetos or or the puffs um, My favorite were the puffs. I don't think it was the puffs for him, but then for like Father's Day yeah. one year, I got him like the Spider Man Essentials Volume One and a giant bag of Cheetos. <laughs> and then I went through like a year later, and I saw these like Cheeto, Cheeto finger prints. marks on it. <laughs> it so um, what'd you give it, you old Kirby Crackle Man? Oh my gosh! Um, He's looking through his stack to see I'm if anything gets a goo. Yeah, comparing it to everything else, um, I can't think of anything else that does get a goo. So does that mean that this has to get a goo, or can yeah, things great on a bell curve every week? No, no. <laughs> This is the this is the book I enjoyed the most this week. Hell yeah! So nice. I think that means it is a goo. Is you that how you on a goodbye? Your goo. favorite yeah. thing is always a goo. Is that right? Yeah, you know, the thing I enjoyed the most. Yeah. Okay. I wish that I could live that life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it must be a blissful kind of existence. There were definitely books I liked the most this week, but none of them were a ten. Uh, how, how else would you give a ten to something? Like versus all of the comics you've ever read. Yeah, yeah, like you ever know. read. This is just a week by week thing. Well, right, but I mean, I'm saying like for me, like All Star Superman is a ten, you know. Oh, yeah. So then yeah. I have to look at were any of these as good as All Star Superman, and I would say no. But I like. Hmm. I think it's interesting that Same you right, yeah. do like a your weekly score is a microcosm of if no comics yeah, existed that's and good, these are the only ones. Yeah, because I because yeah I agree. All Star Superman is a ten. I would give this a ten. Completely different books, completely different reasons. Maybe a couple overlapping reasons, but yeah. Both ten. Optimism. That, this yeah, guy is going this, far. Yeah, this is super optimistic. I mean, it's it's he saves the world. If I were to, <laughs> nope, I'm not even gonna do it. Okay, um, Batman number eighty eight. Four 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 four. The piano number. The piano number. Also a ten. I didn't read it. You didn't read it. Yeah, because <laughs> no. you said at the end of issue two that you don't think you're gonna be reading anymore. Yeah, I just I didn't. I don't care about Deathstroke. It didn't grab me. I'm glad that Guillaume March is on this issue again because I do like his weird art for as weird as it is. Um, there is a character review. I guess we'll let you go into like a reminder of spoilers in this one. Sponsored by Roman Statler's Gooey. 
Ew. <laughs> Ew. Um, well, no. I guess before we spoil what happens at the very end, what did you guys think of this issue? Did you like it, Jango? You hadn't read it when we talked about this on the YouTuber. I, I read it today, and uh, I liked it okay. It feels a lot like Batman comics that I have continued to collect and not continued to read. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is to say Detective Comics, which is to say other James Tinney and Batman comics. But the current Detective Comics run, um, Roman and other people are saying, is amazing. Yeah, I've dipped I'm in and like out it. of that one, uh, and I've never really felt like I had to read every single issue in order to enjoy whatever I did read. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's heroic action, and none of it feels, none of it really makes me feel any emotion. Yeah. Like, not even Fast and Furious emotion of well, action. We haven't heard anything from you about this Jimmy TIV run because there's only been the three issues. What is? How are you feeling about this whole thing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, the first one I, I liked the beginning and I liked the end and the middle bored me, which tends to be how I kind of feel about Jimmy Tiv books. Um... And number two, I was more optimistic about, and this is the one that I read, and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know that I'm going to keep going. I, uh, um, I'm i really, really, really trying to not compare it to what just came before it, mm-hmm. and I there's just so many moments that it feels so clearly different that there's little things that could have been carried through. I get that, you know, we've gone back to what it used to be like when it was an ongoing series and a new creator would come on and it would be basically a new book, but still a part of the continuity. But often there'd be little things that were brought through to kind of help the continuity and just like, come in, Batman, it's Catwoman. I'm, I'm here at this or whatever. Right. Just like, <laughs> just writers, Write them as bat and cat. Like, give us yeah. a little bit of some tokens of continuity with right. that. Right. Actually, that's a really good point, Colette. I hadn't thought about that, but the way that Tom King even just used the way that they always refer to each other as bat and cat, that's a really easy way that James Tanyan could have showed, like, this came out two weeks after that last yep. issue. Like, and I it read made that. sense that people in a relationship would have a shorthand, especially when you're, you know, like people have code names that tend to be short and quick to be able to make things efficient. It's mm-hmm. just little stuff that keeps jarring me back into that this is not what I loved so much and makes the other things that are just not as good to me more apparent. And I just can't separate right now. And I'll probably dip in and out every time on the podcast and there's one and I'll probably sit down and read a few at once when they've piled up but it's just it just feels like a different story in a book I've already read I really and not like, one that I loved I like little bits and pieces right I don't remember I, I didn't know that the Joker was dead but is he that surprises yeah. me he's not he, mu- he must have died in in Tom King's run in the church right that's all I can think of because I don't think I don't... he showed up after that well, and stuff for, like, Year of the Villains stuff, like, outside DC continuity, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's been in other I stuff. I mean, I think This is happening from... after Year of the Villain, though. Is it? Yeah, well, right, because but Year I mean... of the Villain crossed over with Tom King's Batman. No. Hmm. I don't know. what Whatever it is, I didn't know that Joker was dead, but the shot of Catwoman standing over his body is awesome. The shot on the next page of Batman's cape while he's tying up whatever her name is was awesome. Yeah, the cape reminds me very much of Michael Keaton's Batman cape. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I do. I like this artist. 
I really like the, uh, the the hologram Batmobile made out of a Porsche. I thought that was pretty cool. I do too, uh, but it needs like a physical. I mean, I thought the idea was cool, but it doesn't. If it's a visual hologram, it shows scenes of it like bursting through things as if it has the same physical mass. Well, he talks about it. You realize that this car has none of the armor of a usual Batmobile. And yet. And Bruce says, Bill me. Uh, sorry. Well, Bill me. It's just, yeah. It, you'd, if it's a visual hologram. It wouldn't have mass, so it would be hitting where the old car beneath the hologram oh, right. is hitting, and there's right, no yeah. visual. Like it's just treated as if it has the same mass, as that, which is stupid nitpicky stuff. But it's it's just yeah. I don't know that one to me. I I was like, I do I love this or do I hate it? Yeah. And I was yeah. kind of like, you know, it just to me almost feels more like, well, every cool idea's been done, so. What Tier two. can I? Yeah, I like it. Oh, sorry, Jeff. I thought that was my shoes. Whenever, uh, whenever oh. somebody does something I haven't seen with bat gadgets, I got to give them props. Yeah. And I haven't seen that with bat gadgets. Yeah. The uh, the reveal, like the slow reveal of a conspiracy of Batman villains doing something in the past, I thought was super cool. But I don't like the idea that Catwoman's in it. Yeah, I don't like that either. That last panel is Ugh. one of like the male gaziest, sexiest panels in the whole world. <laughs> yeah, but not like I... sexy. It's no, gross. both of them are. Yeah, but I mean, like it's it, it's trying to be sexy. I'm not saying yeah. that, but it's like I think it fails massively because mm -hmm. it feels so gross. Yeah, and. And her arm isn't even up, so you can't see Catwoman's weird armpit windows. The end is Harley Quinn arriving and saving Catwoman, and it's just like, oh, right, there's a movie coming out, and oh, right, that's a popular character, so we're going <laughs> to do this version of Harley Quinn in this book. And Yeah, and girls aren't allowed to be individually strong, independent, like co-characters. They have to be a sidekick, or there's got to be more than one of them together. Yeah, and yeah. I, yeah, I, that might be my biggest problem with this run is that Catwoman went from being a peer and an equal character to Batman to being a sidekick girlfriend mm -hmm. who all of a sudden we're back into the dynamic of the difficulty between their in relationship because she was a villain and now she's trying or she's not. There's so much op option out there of actually showing them as a healthy couple yeah. doing yeah. this and that's such a fresh story. Yeah. That yeah. I think it's lazy to not be doing that. What what were our scores on it? So like <laughs> trying pretending to... that we're coming out of Snyder's run. Or just what pretend, like, what if it was an issue number three, right? It would be a Batman miniseries I probably wasn't going to keep reading. Like, if this was <laughs> yeah. if this was Batman J-Tiv, you know, number yeah. three, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to sit this one out because I've sat out Batman. I mean... Yeah, six and a half or seven for me. I, I don't think I could really go higher than that. The, the art is the main draw for me at this yeah, point. Yeah, me too. And I really wish that I liked the story more, but so far... Um, I don't know, man. Deathstroke and Ugh. like Deathstroke cutting the penguin's throat so that Batman has to save the penguin instead of chasing all the bad guys is pretty weak storytelling, if you ask me. It's definitely for somebody. It's but, for the fans of not Tom King. But I was going to say, <laughs> like, yeah. for deathstroke and harley to be in the books that's what i mean is like there are people who that is their thing mm -hmm. yeah but it's like here are the two most like aggro testosterone fantasy characters that dc's got to offer <laughs> they Bam. both got big dicks too uh i'm gonna give it a six and a half because even if i try to 
think about it as not coming off of Tom King's run, I still would be meh about right. it. It's like for the people that have been just dying for Snyder's run back and will take anything remotely close to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Django. You're the what? guy, since you're the guy who Fs up my time. <laughs> <laughs> I read the man who <laughs> F hashtag oh, man. and oh. symbol percent sign ed up time number one or the man who fucked up time number one by John Lehman and Carl Mostert. Uh, this is an Aftershock book. I would say Aftershock books have probably a, at least a 50% hit rate for me. If I read it, I usually like it. A lot of times they put out stuff that, uh, like, subject-wise, I'm just kind of ambivalent about, so I don't read them. If it reads, I read. If it reads, I read. <laughs> um, this is a, a pretty simple concept. This lab assistant who works in a, a the place that made a time machine jumps back in time one week and apparently messes up something so that when he gets back to his normal time, uh, Abraham Lincoln was never assassinated. Cops ride dinosaurs. Abraham Lincoln the fourth is the president, and uh, everything is a little bit wrong in addition to all that. We don't know why it's like that. Uh, we don't know how he, jumping back one week in time, messed up stuff going back so long. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure it's going to be a, an interesting little time loop, time travel, time paradox thing. John Lehman is good at this kind of wacky story with characters that you believe and uh, I, I thought it was a really solid, interestingly drawn um, chase him up. A chase him up. A I like up. that description. The art is nice, and I like the cover a lot. It's it's a fun, stylized looking thing. <clears throat> it seems like there's just a ton of ideas packed into it. Yeah, and that's kind of what like when when John Layman and uh, the artist on Chew were were doing Chew. Like you would see a lot of things happening in in an issue and there are a lot of concepts kind of thrown at the wall uh and this this feels similar to that this isn't like transmetropolitan level thing where you can look at a page and try to decode all the crazy technology that's going on but there there's it's like smash up the comic book i don't know if you played smash up the game but yeah. it's like you mm. shuffle together a bunch of factions and you might be pirate robots and roman might be you know plant zombies and this feels like that, where you're, you're pyramid buildings and and uh, Abraham Lincoln presidents. Roman, you read much Ray Bradbury? I read some. You ever read uh, Sound of Thunder? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. that idea. It is. Yeah. It is. Or, or, that, or that movie, The Butterfly Effect. Which was also was from Sound, Sound of Thunder. Thunder yeah. Or uh, The Butterfly Effect 2. Sound of Thunder. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I really like The Sound of Thunder. Yeah. The movie we, or the book? This is going to be a fart joke. I don't no think way. I saw Oh, <laughs> yeah. Man, just skip to the joke and let's move on. I don't think I saw the movie. I saw the. I read the book. The movie I, was bad. I loved when... <laughs> it's an Ashton Kutcher movie, isn't it? The butterfly no, butterfly effect, effect is. Oh. The, and the, that one's real good. Yeah. Colette. Is it? I'm terrific. Actually, it is. It's it like is super good. dark, nihilistic, oh. and oh, wow. very, very depressing. He was trying to break out of his uh, that 70s show. That basement corner that he was shoved in the basement yeah um, okay not watch uh i would give this one uh seven and a half i think anybody who likes wacky time travel stories uh or or chase em ups would like this comic a lot i really like his adoption of chase i like chase em up mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to read this book too i like that kind of 
Victorian weird age H.G. Wells version of the TARDIS. Did you say H.G. Wells? He did. Yeah, it all slurred together. It's <laughs> oh, a bourbon. It, the art, the art is really good. It reminds me a little bit of like Nick Patera light or uh, kind of like the the interest, the intricacy of of oh. a Nick Patera or Frank Quietly, but but pulled back a little bit with with lesser backgrounds. Yeah, I, I like the colors too. Whatever that monster thing was. was we cool. need a genre. We need we need a genre of art so that we're not always comparing artists to other artists. I know? agree. Like, mm-hmm. Chase them up. Chase them up. Uh, before yeah. we get into Art our next up. scheduled program, Colette, will you just give us a quick squir- squirt about Lois Lane? Oh, Lois Lane. Uh, I mean, it's Rutka writing a detective, so how can you fucking go wrong with this Apparently it's a valuable book because something happens in it. Were you able to tell what that is, or the old speculators are just... I, I mean, I have no idea, but this has been one of those series that Every time I read it, I really enjoy it, and I feel like I probably shouldn't have because I didn't get, like, 20% of the references going on because mm-hmm. I'm just – it's pulling from a lot of DC stuff that I don't know as much. Right. And so there's a lot of things like the last page – oh, not the last page. There's an amethyst preview in the mm-hmm. back. I keep trying to get to the end. And then the last page, the woman that was in the asylum that got visited by the nun in the last issue broke out in this one, and she's at the airport, and she's showing her passport, and her name's Jessica Knight. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's someone I'm supposed to know. But apparently not. I guess it's her first appearance, except for second, because she was in the last issue. I, mm. I don't know. Who's Jessica Knight, guys? Uh, no idea. Okay. I th- yeah, I think she was in the last issue a little yeah. bit. Like, she was in the last issue. She's been like tormented cameo. by demons or something. I'm up here. Um, She's British. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but you know, Lois and Montoya end up fighting the uh, the assassin that was posing as a new maid for Lois and cleaned her room, which was very offensive, and uh, shows up to kill them after blowing up half the room, and Montoya kicks her ass, and it's just great i just love this book i love it i love it so you're current on this book now yes i am i'm one issue behind i haven't read this one and i've enjoyed each individual issue i'm a little bit bummed that it doesn't feel like a kind of an evergreen story that you could just jump into because it's touching on so many things that are happening in superman every month yeah um I, i wish that it was a little more standalone yeah, I feel like every time I pick up an issue, I kind of have to remind myself what was going on. I feel a little yeah. lost. Or like when Lois's dad died in um, Event Leviathan, it it's kind of stopped abruptly the story that was going and, right. and dealt with that. And it was a little jarring. But <clears throat> there's enough fantastic moments in each issue that I don't really care about that. And I'm not reading a lot of that other stuff, so it hasn't bugged me that I, yeah. I, I'm not noticing that bit. But there's, it's just always has at least one thing that's great. Like, so Lois's room just got blown up by an assassin, and and they're dealing with the aftermath, and all the cops are there, and there's just tons of cops. Which at first you're like, oh yeah, there was just an explosion in this hotel, and then it like, oh no, everybody showed up with hopes that Superman's gonna show up because now everyone knows that <laughs> Lois Lane is his wife, and so, and he does fun, and she at first like like whispers like i got this don't worry and and then he finally does come and they have a cute moment together and then she's like you got to go out there they're just like dying and so he goes out and has this like hi guys kind of moment and everybody's taking pictures and there's all these little nice little quippy word bubbles of half of a an annoying fan statement kind of thing going on and i just every issue has at least one 
couple pages like that that's so perfectly done that it's great. I want to put on my Dino hat for a minute. It's oh. a, okay. Do you know who who? It's going for like ten to fifteen dollars, and it's the first appearance of Kiss of Death. Oh, cool. who that? Okay. No one knows. So, um, I was put my Dino hat on for a minute. That must be the Skull Woman. Can we talk about the uh, Immortal Hulk? Great power? Please, that was a fucking <laughs> yeah, phenomenal nice. transition. It's, all, it's, all, it's got a Hulk in it. I'm going to read it. I got an email from a customer this morning saying that it was great, and they can't wait for the other uh, Immortal Hulk books. Hell yeah! yeah I don't the remember next one's who it Jeff was. Lemire. Whoever you were that sent me an email this morning, wanting to move stuff around on your polls and mentioning that this was great. Good call. Yeah, the next the, the next Immortal Hulk is. Uh, Jeff Lemire and Mike Del Mundo, mm-hmm. young gun artist Mike Del Mundo. But we're ahead of ourselves. Oh, what is this? Are. This is who's the artist here? Um, Jorge Molina. This is Peter Parker and Org. Bruce Banner waking up with the Immortal Hulk inside of Peter instead of Bruce. Oh my! And uh, <laughs> it's nighttime, and Pete turns into the Hulk and starts flipping around the city and fucking stuff up because now the Hulk can swing through the air. And uh, so, of course, they have to go to the Fantastic Four to try to fix it and uh, take care of this problem and try to put put the Hulk back into Bruce. Um, I haven't been reading The Immortal Hulk, so I don't really understand the mechanics behind all that, but apparently that's a thing that's happening right now. Well, Roman, Mm. what is this? Why is Hulk and Peter... Like you are reading all of it. I am, but this is the first. This is time. This has happened. <laughs> um, what is going? Why does this book exist? I, I don't know. I didn't know there was going to be a series of maybe one shots, maybe two shots of different Hulk stories by different creators. Um, With the Hulk becoming other other people. Well, becoming I, I think Hulk? that's just for this story. I'm, tr- I'm flipping through it, trying to find out if how they explained it, because I think Reed figured it out. They definitely have a lot of jokes about people waking up with no pants, which I thought oh, was okay. really funny. It was right, like, exactly up my alley, if you will. Yeah, your your pantsless alley. Yeah, my pantsless alley. Um, oh, that's the right. Gorgeous. It was because of Loki. Oh, Loki was <laughs> for some reason was playing around. Um, oh, because Loki figured out that the Hulk's powered by energy and that Loki can control energy, so so he he cast the Hulk out of Banner. Like Banner's always wanted, but then he stuck it in Spider-Man. <laughs> it, it's it's a, as far as I can tell, a totally self-contained one-shot that you don't yeah. need really any more context for. You need to know who some of the characters are. But um, the art's gorgeous. The action is fun. The jokes are good. And you get Bruce Banner, Peter Parker, all of the Fantastic Four. You get some Loki. Like... This is kind of Marvel Comics boiled down into a one-shot in a really good way. And it's Tom Taylor who, like, usually he makes me cry. This time he made me laugh out loud two or three times. And only one of them was the pants joke. It's just interesting because we had that, like, the Immortal Hulk one-shot during Absolute Carnage. That was, like, kind of a bunch of people in the psychic sphere of Immortal Hulk. Like, it was just a bunch of people in his subconscious. And... Yeah, so it seemed like I just couldn't place, like, what is this? They're doing Hulk books that are, they can kind of do a lot of different things with it now with this Immortal Hulk thing, so... So I wonder if story-wise, yeah. who cares? But meta-wise, Marvel wants to see what they can do with not Al Ewing on Immortal Hulk. Right, and yeah, so I guess it helps to know that, it, okay, it's not tied into the Immortal Hulk. This isn't, like, no. the two issues that are coming out 
between those two things because this is truly just a one and done. I think Ewing's taking a little break on Immortal Hulk. So that he's got like a short hiatus and they're putting up these two comics in between. Okay. I hope that he's writing Don of X stuff. Docs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a real, a really fun issue of Marvel Team-Up. I, I, I wasn't thrilled with the art. It was okay, I thought. Um, the only thing I didn't like is that the Hulk's a little too... I mean, he's called Immortal Hulk, but he's a little too nice at the end. I was like, no, he's supposed to be angry and like want to take over the world and arrogant. And I mean, he actually has like a sympathetic look here. I'm like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still a fun, inconsequential story. Wheaties. Wheatcakes. Score? Warters? Warters? Eight. I give it an eight. This was one of my favorite comics this week. Hmm. I'll give it a seven. Roman seven just pairs gave of ripped pants. Hulk a lower score than Django gave Hulk. Well, Roman's <laughs> wrong. It's okay. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. What? Can we talk about <laughs> Savage Avengers? Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the reprint part, or do you want to talk about the Greg Smallwood new part? I want to talk about the Greg Smallwood, Gary Duggan new part. Very, Thank God, because I didn't read the reprint. So context Ditto. for everybody. <laughs> Savage Avengers number zero. This was solicited. I read the solicitation. It listed Gary Duggan as the writer. It <laughs> did not tell me that this is going to be an enormous comic that is nine pages tops of new material but is almost entirely reprints of uncanny x-men two full uncanny x-men issues from the 80s but at least they're only charging us normal comic price or just a dollar more it's not a it's, it's one not of a the, three issue price it's one of the dirtiest on the... things i've ever <laughs> seen marvel do like usually if they do these reprint things they don't put it in the series but this is like, they put it in the series. They misled people. I think that, like, I'm incredibly surprised that they did this because I, I it's it's shocking to me that I think they were misleading retailers. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think that the, like, eight pages of new material was my favorite comic <laughs> stuff I read this week. Almost yeah. worth the $5 price tag just for eight pages. Greg Smallwood's yeah. art, I love it. Mm -hmm. It's Doctor Strange so from this story going to Krakoa and talking to the X-Men, but particularly magic. Colette said as she was reading it out loud the same thing I thought, which is Greg Smallwood is doing awesome tattoo art for Pyro's face. Like it's Yeah, this he doesn't just have this like solid skull face bullshit. It's which, like this smoky yeah. looking tribal design. Yeah, it's oh, really cool. Yeah. cool. Um, which, you know, Pyro is kind of a douche. He would get a douchey stupid tattoo. Right, That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. But this was really cool looking. It's an entire and... skull out of kanji. <laughs> but with a tribal border yeah, exactly. around the edge and it's like really important to me because I, I was thinking about it for a long time beforehand and it's like significant for whatever reason it means thoughtful perspicacity oh yeah 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 <laughs> but in kanji I, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to read it even though I've been loving this book but I just thought that that execution of how they got it in stores was dirty enough and then I read it and I was like oh this is rad and magic is awesome in it and I've loved magic and new mutants so I was like Colette check this out because Colette is the biggest magic fan I know and she was like well fuck yeah this ruled yeah the last page I really want a print of that so like good. I want to buy one of these just so I can cut that last page out and put on my freaking wall yeah. look at her she's so perfect and awesome and 
beautiful and badass and, and I cool will and destroy is, him. Like that page where he's just like he's gotten stronger and they're like, How? Is that possible? And he's like, he's a cannibal. Cut to a yeah. shot of him eating bones <laughs> and eating hearts, and it's like, whoa. This series has had more kind of bait and switch. I don't know. Like when I think of this series, I think publisher tactics almost as much as I think this is such a good comic because it was initially a four or five issue run. I think we all assumed that. I don't think and it that's was why said I didn't there. Read the last or the past the first issue because I was just like, oh, this is just bait for all the people that really like this kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. thought it was boring. Everybody. And- who was subscribed to it thought it was a four or five issue series. Yeah. And by the time issue seven or eight rolled around, we had people dropping off, but then other people adding it because it was really good. And then to have this number zero, I don't know. It, it just feels like they've got something that's really good and pretty popular and they're mucking with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, that's what they should have called it. They should have called it the man who mucked time. Mucked up your, your wallet. So I wonder if the two issues in there are really, really good. I actually had um, Neil McRae, a friend of the store, in here like two weeks ago. And he was talking about like, oh, back in like the 80s when Marvel actually had this Cool and Goth series. It's like the only time that you saw Spider-Man get crucified. And that, (laughs) and like he was talking about how like crazy good these issues were. And then somehow without me knowing, like, you know, they they reprinted those issues in here. And sure enough, there's Spider Man hanging, beaten up. Flipping through them. I mean, I haven't read these since my original issues, but um, it's reminding me, yeah, these were a couple of good issues. Yeah, I don't think Because basically, Cool and Gath has turned Manhattan into like a, well, not medieval, like a medieval fantasy, uh, Hyborian age version of itself and all the superheroes except Spider-Man for some reason not isn't affected by the magic. Look at how good John Romita Jr.'s art was. Yeah. In those middle pages. Like yeah. Yeah. that's that's like almost John Byrne level interesting. It doesn't look like his current art at all, but he's like Kulan Goth. Anyway, it's yeah, like they're good issues. I mean they're worth they're worth reading. It's gathed yeah. up and thirthed out. That's if I chef I I like I do I think that those like seven pages were the thing I liked the most that shot of like Doctor Strange showing up and they're like we're not you're not supposed to have people on the island he's like okay and he starts hovering and just like sitting cross like hovering he's like I'm not on it anymore I'm like you are very good Doctor Strange good job Doctor Strange who is acting suspiciously a whole lot like the movie character yeah so I would give like those new pages probably a nine it mm-hmm. made me really excited for the like the rest of this series it made me really excited to have it overlapping with the x-men at all it, it the magic like the art is gorgeous when magic has been portrayed in this dawn of x stuff i love it in the most recent the most recent hickman new mutants mm-hmm. episode where she like for whatever reason is like asking about somebody does somebody want to make out with her and yeah. no one will and then she beats all of them up i'm like what is that I love this person? <laughs> I love her so much. But I would give I love the issue as a put... whole um, a smaller a smaller score than that. I would give those pages a nine, but I would give the whole execution of this more like a six or a seven because I'm pretty disappointed that they snuck that much reprint into our comics. Oh, can I do this? I mean, I didn't actually read any of the reprints. Did you read the new I, pages? I did. I read all the new pages just I'm now. I'm just reviewing the, the reprints. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'll give those new pages... I'll give those an eight. Nice. Eight and a half, even. Yeah, I'll give the new pages... 
I'm gonna give him a nine. I, I that would make me really happy, and I'll give the uh, the all the rest of it a no. I might actually take the time to read this. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. Oh, you know tonight. Roman's gonna tonight read or tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. you know, sometime. You know what I'm gonna give it, Jeff. You already know. You're gonna give it a gath and a thirth. I give it a gath and a one thirth. gath and one thirth. <laughs> yeah, no, a gath and a thirth. It's a different thing. One gath no, and one thirth. A gath and a thirth. It's a totally different scoring system. So now, um, Django, talk to me about something a little bit special before we get out of here, and then we have something special for the listeners that Andrew Carlson Fots reminded Fots. us, Fots of the show, reminded us about. Uh, man, he's going to be bummed that we thought of that, isn't he? Fots? You did it, but it's oh, such a good, like, Brick- Brooklyn, like, Fots. Fots. Um, I read Tart, number one, from Scout Comics, and it has some gorgeous, gorgeous art in it. Probably my favorite art of the week. It's also like super sexy art for no real reason other than to be sexy. Um, yeah, but it's also it's a like, little bit trashy, but it's awesome. I love the color and the softness mm-hmm. of it, and the half tones, and, and like it's, the textures. It's weird that like it is kind of sexy, but also like not. I don't know. Like everyone kind of looks like a kid. She's in these costumes for no reason. Other than holy shit, it's it's sexy. But the, yeah, yeah. But also the story is really solid. The world felt complete to me. Um, the whole thing intrigued me and made me want to read more. Um, and then there's a catch. In order to read the rest of the story, you have to buy the trade paperback, which includes this issue. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I like that. Yeah, I don't but like that. When TKO announced that they were doing issues that came in a slipcase or trade paperbacks, and you had to buy the whole story at once and binge it, like I thought that was horrible. And then we ordered some, and I really, really enjoy that format. So I'm going to give this one a shot and and see if it works for me. Um, I don't know. There's there, there's a lot of like outside of just reading the comic and enjoying the book. There's a lot of sort of meta thoughts that come to mind, like. Did you just charge somebody four or five bucks to advertise a $20 trade to you? Because mm-hmm. that's weird. Yeah, they told us about this at Comics Pro last year. Was it these guys? Yeah, and and they were like, we're just experimenting with some new ways to put things out. They were like, what do you guys think about that? What are your feedback on that? Like, would you change things about it? So we ordered Princess Revolution mm-hmm. half a year ago, same and that thing. came in the store, and the same thing. We sold quite a few copies of that first issue, and never had anybody ask for any more of it, so we didn't order the paperback of it. It is... I appreciate people changing or working to change the way things come out. For sure. Because it is definitely, it has a type of person in mind. Like, who are the people who want to try things, mm-hmm. but also don't like waiting a month between issues? Right. You know, and there are people who, like, particularly, like, kids, or maybe people who just don't have an interest in serialized fiction, right. but do, don't want to have to pay $20 up front for a paperback. Right. And it's kind of what we do. Like, we give out first issues to everybody. And uh, for, for like image comics so that people can try it before reading it. And it's kind of trying to do that same thing, but at, on a publisher level, which, which I think is, is interesting. This issue probably wouldn't have made me be like, okay, cool. I'm going to go buy this paperback. 
but no, maybe but I would read number two. Yeah, that, yeah. Like that's that's my that's one of my hangups with it. The other the other part is just feeling marketed to and, and having paid for it seems a little bit weird. Um, yeah, if there a, was like a trade in, like yeah, put they, your money towards the trade or something. But that they they talked about doing that exact thing. Okay, like yeah. on, but then they were saying that they would have to be working with retailers to somehow do that because mm-hmm. retailers would be the ones who need to then get the money back from the customer. Ooh, I'm sitting right here to like. Yeah, it, it's an interesting, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't remember that until you said that exact thing, but they did. They suggested that, like trading it in. Like, I get the, I really love the image first for the dollar to get mm-hmm. the amount of trades that I end up selling because I offer that up or whatever. There's that fear of the $15 book or right. whatever. But They're great trailers. But I, yeah, I, I mean, how much, it doesn't say on here how much this thing is. I don't know how That's much. That's a great question. I have no idea how much yeah, it costs. Yeah, I mean, if it's a $2 book okay like i don't really have as much of an issue with the concept of that but if the trade it's is 20 the if it's the price of that <clears throat> and with that cover and everything i doubt it's a two dollar book the art is really unlike anything i've seen before though the whole thing is like kind of soft and muted and the color palette is fantastic mm-hmm. yeah it's it, the the it's almost like um it's almost like ed piscor had a hand in in the paper texture that they're showing off on the yeah, backgrounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another publisher that was doing issue ones and then trying to sell digital comics after that. Mm-hmm. And I think that we just decided not to not to bother yeah, that with those because that's that's an even weirder trick. What do you give the issue? I give this issue like a seven and a half or an eight. Um, and I'm going to take a full point away from it for kind of pissing me off at the end <laughs> that I have to spend 20 bucks to find out what happens next. Like, that's that's really the bottom line to me is you present this as a serial thing that I can take little bites of. And instead, you're just going to shove the whole the whole rest of it down my mouth at once. I would give it a six. I also read it. And I, I mostly just liked the art. I think the issue itself was really forgettable. But I do think that the art was really cool. Like, I don't remember what happened in this issue, but I did like yeah. the art a lot kidnapped kid she keeps waking up in places that last panel is awesome yeah and the first page is gorgeous like the full, yeah. full image um okay so a weird thing happened but around christmas time um we got a voicemail on an episode that was running really long and we answered it and it was from andrew carlson who we adore and we recorded it answered the question it was a great question and i forgot about it entirely because it had to get cut from that episode because it was too long and then andrew mentioned it to me the other day and because we had said that we answered it. So anyway, somehow between now and Monday, I'm going to go through a bunch of unedited old podcast audio and find the answer to that question and edit it into the end of this. You're not going to make Ooh. us do it again and then compare them? Um, I'll, no. I'll bet we would all have different answers. <laughs> yeah, well, do you remember what it was? He wrote specific... Welcome, everybody, to Mail Sack episode number two or whatever you were going to change the name Big to. Johnson's mail sack. Big Johnson's <laughs> mail sack. If it ain't a sack, you're nuts. This time we're not in Jeff's lavish, mahogany-bound, smoke-filled studio bound. where if you listened carefully, you could hear the moment where he smoked up his tobacco pipe and blew a fatty into the mic. Um, this is uh, this is the Pap Boys and Girls answering a couple male sackers tonight. Um, in the pup, the pup caver. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the intro. Andrew Carlson, friend of the show, says in an email entitled "Pap Cast Elevator Pitches!" Exclamation mark. Go! Exclamation mark. I Andrew <laughs> says, 
Hey, y'all. Here are my requests. Enjoy. Sincerely, friend of the show. Oh, he heard. <laughs> oh, brava. Uh, ooh, what happened there? Let's try this. I love you, Django. <laughs> Hello, Papcast. This is Andrew, a friend of the show, calling in <laughs> some elevator pitches for you guys. Um, we'll start. I don't know who's exactly on this week, so we'll just start with everyone's. Um, Brayden, I want to hear your elevator pitch for a Squirrel Girl Pokemon game. What do you do? What do you wear? What's the plot? Tell me. Pokemon loses. Uh, Roman, <laughs> I want a Hulk Plastic Man crossover. Uh, Justin, uh, Alan Moore or Grant Morrison written Dead Man. <laughs> Jeff, I want to hear you... What what kind of story would be written if Dan Slott was on FF? <laughs> oh. A bad Shit, one. Uh, okay, okay, fair. Uh, tell a Batman crossover. Do that, do that, Jeff. Uh, Django, how do they merge Preacher into the main DC universe like they did with Watchmen? And Colette, I want to hear your pitch for a Jessica Jones wielding Mjolnir. Oh, fuck yes. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Okay, Andrew Carlson, it's important to note that that was one of the most amazing voicemails we've ever gotten. And listen, everyone should send one in because no one needs to know why that one was amazing. But, like, he said Dan Slott Fantastic Four. I said something. He responded to me saying it and then wrote a new question. So that's amazing. Um, Justin, the, you know, Andrew, really great job. He's creating a database of the podcast. So that's, that's awesome to hear. But he knows all these who likes what and what. So Justin and the dead man, let's put that aside. The Braden Pokemon unbeatable squirrel girl is incredibly thoughtful and on brand. Let's put that aside. Let's get the four that he gave the four of us. Roman, do you want to start? There's so, oh, there's so many potential potential here. Cause Hulk and Plastic Man are both immortal. Um, so Plastic Man's just going to drive him nuts by like, like going inside him, nice. going, flowing out his nostrils and, and torturing him, poking him basically and getting Hulk more and more enraged until Hulk finally just like, like starts destroying the planet, which he wants to do anyway. But so it's just going to end up with him and Plastic Man like hanging out on the moon or something mm. and Plastil like torturing him. And then they're eventually they're going to become best buds. Is there going to be a scene where Plastic Man tries to cover the Hulk, but he, there's not enough plastic, so he's got holes in it? That is he's... Django's thing, man. It's been almost a year now of you doing that. He suggested that once, and I was like, that's a cool idea. And, like, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't know you as well as I thought you, I did, because I didn't think that you need gratification as much as that indicates. But... That is a weird joke that you've been having with yourself, and I love it. So, no. What? No, so of course not. not. No, of course, Blast Man's, he's always going to be able to cover every, every, all of it. <coughs> all right, Colette, what's yours? Oh, man, I'm having a really hard time coming up with a pitch. I just have these, like, clear panels that I want to I want to see. If you were going to write the book, what do you see? So the cover is going to be like that uh, David Mack cover where it's Jessica carrying Danny on, like, one hip and just walking, being a badass mom, but she's going to have Mjolnir in her other hand just, like, hanging down by her hip, and it's just going to be amazing. And at some point, she's just going to be, like, smashing empty whiskey bottles off the table with Mjolnir to just get him out of the way. But, um... Ah, shit. I should have been coming up with something while Roman was talking, and I I'm, didn't. I'm happy to be in my spot. 
Uh, <laughs> the controller. Shut up. I don't have the phone. I don't have any control here. I will edit it, but there's no illusion of me having control of this moment. He's going to edit himself first, so it looks like he thought of this brilliant I'm effortlessly. Thing. <laughs> yeah. No, Justin is the guy who effortlessly thinks of beautiful things. Yeah. Uh, so I think um, something happened to Luke. He's been taken. He's gone. He's sick. She's got Danny. Something's, you know, like. Uh, someone's invaded some celestial group. I don't know. Thor's been knocked out. Out of here. Out of here. <laughs> and uh, and Jessica's got Danny, and so she's not only a hero, <coughs> but she's also a mother protecting her child, and she picks up that Mjolnir to fight off whatever group it is. I'll figure it out later. And you know, Hydra. Yeah, sure. Um, it's Hydra, Jeff. <laughs> Hydra, Jeff. He's and, Hydra. And uh, and she ends up worthy because she's protecting her daughter and those around her. And then she has to go quest to to go find her husband. And it's like a cool family story. But also she's drunk half the time and smashing whiskey bottles and totally being the like mead swilling Thor kind of thing and the uh, the more crass. Raucous. Roman, why don't you just raise your hand? Because I want to request in this story that I want to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Help me, please. Can, can, can we see? Can we see Jane Foster Valkyrie team up with her? Oh my God! Yes. I mean, I don't care if they're just oh sitting around God, drinking. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't even go there because that just seems like too much good stuff all at once, and I'm gonna just like, hold on. I've, I've got a question. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we know that Jessica Jones needs to breathe? Because if not, she could just go to space. And well, I know, I know you could come around with uh, I'm pretty <clears throat> sure that Mjolnir makes it so that you're fine because Jane needs to breathe, but okay. then she oh, went to space. Oh, Colette, you're so fucking All right. good. All right. So. I want to see a questing kind of a Nordic-y hero story with Mjolnir. Less of a let's go intergalactic at first. Sure. You know, she might carry on after the... Um, the twisting kind of, we got to mix the detective with the quest kind of story. So she's got to so have she, like a detective quest that sends her into space. Eventually. First, she has to go into guys, a cave where she'll find her husband. Guys. And then uh -huh. she'll, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm rambling. No, no, no I've, I've got oh, one, I think. Oh, go I think for I've it. Got yes. One. I'm not a writer. There's, I, I'm there's not There's a reason either. I read these things and not write them. No, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%, which is why I feel like I've got one, so I've got to dip in. Please. I'm okay. like the next Wu-Tang verse on this dope-ass beat you made. All right. Um, uh, Andrew Carlson's got you Jeff. open like fallopian tubes. Right. Um, just like Matt But she Matt kept does. shouting today. He yelled it. He slapped me in the face, and he said, no, I'm just kidding. Andrew Carlos, the friend of the show, didn't slap me at all. Okay, Flex Mentallo Batman crossover. So, all of the strong boys are dying. Who's killing all these strong boys? I don't know. Why are these strong boys dying? But then when you go and see the strong boy's body, thin boys, weak boys, paper boys. That's what we call them. And that's actually the miniseries follow-up to Paper Girls. It's Paper Boys. And it's because all of the strong boys are being taken out. We don't know. Batman shows up. Where are their muscles? Where are their muscles? I don't know, Batman exclaims in a sort of terrified, anxious <laughs> rage. And then who shows up? Flexum Mentallo. And Flexum Mentallo, he, uh, he flexes and he shows Batman that the hero, the power, the muscle, the hero of the beach, that ability... It's not objective physical strength. It's a belief. And Flexima Mentallo, 
he teaches Batman that if you believe in yourself and you flex hard enough, you yourself can become the hero of the beach. Now, I don't know who's taken all of the big old strong boy's powers. I don't know. Django, don't look at me like that. It's Bane. Bane's <laughs> taking all of the muscles. He's making a new brand of venom. He's saying your muscles. It's like Space Jam. You know, when they're when the the bad guys, those little tiny aliens are sucking up all that good good baseball basketball power. <laughs> and it says, Scotty Pippen, you're short, but I'm taking your basketball prowess and Muggsy Bows, I'm taking yours and Patrick Ewing, you're a baseball, basketball man from that era. I'm taking your basketball powers. Space Jam. Muscles, though. <laughs> and and Batman has to work with Flexa Mimintalo, and he has to realize that they can steal back the muscles from the bad guys and put them... Listen, when they stab Bane in the back, they're going to stab him in the back. And then when that happens, all of the spirits of the muscles are going to flow out of his spinal cord. And Batman and Flexum Mintalo will be able to put all of those muscles back in the dead, naked, shivering paper body boys. And uh, it will be a glorious series. And they'll call it um, Paper Boys. And that's it, Andrew. That's what I wrote for you. That was one part... <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn, one part Grant Morrison, and one part Joe Hill. Yeah, and one part McElroy. And okay, okay. Just Space Jam as a reference. I was gonna, I was gonna give you a ration of shit for not including Bane in your flex. But then I looked at you and, and did, did it. it. Yeah, you did it. You you plucked but it I did out it of my from head. Looking brain. at your face. So yeah. Because you could see on my on my mouth it was. Yeah, but I did make the strategic, Bang. creative choice to change his name to Flexum Mentalo. Oh, yeah. Well, Flexum. I mean, he's he's Flexum. Dubiously in the DC universe, yeah. so it's got to be a Flexum. little, little different. All right, Django. But what's your answer Gosh. to the question? My question was, uh, how do I bring Preacher into the DC universe along the same lines as the Doomsday Clock is coming into the DC universe? And I would say. I would say that uh, <clears throat> Preacher has always been in the DC universe. Mm. And I defy you to show me otherwise. Um, other than the fact that they never really talk about DC characters. And God exists. As Well, God kind of exists he in the does? DC universe, yeah, yeah, right? right. No. And I think, that, uh, I think that the way to do it is through Hitman. And this is... <laughs> Probably a fucked up deep cut because not a lot of people have read the Hitman from start to finish and cried at the end like I did. But I would say that uh, Hitman and Hellblazer and Preacher can all coexist pretty effortlessly and hang out together and, and have adventures. I think that uh, Tommy's from Hitman, Tommy's um, kind of war past can cross over pretty easily with uh jesse's dad's past and who's to say that you know who's, who's to say that punisher no that's a different war it's a, a, a different war. different war oh, okay. bro um i think that the end so okay. listen, I really would encourage the four of us to do our next mailbag in my mahogany-laden, magic-filled, whoopee cushion-possessed study. 
there's enough room. It's essentially a library. There's the whole hall of books lined by Roman's contributions to the Figley Fund. Where's the whoopee cushion wall? It's it's the east-facing wall of the study. Oh, the whoopee wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's always to the east. It's always the whoopee it's wall. It's weird because you would think the whoopee wall would be west. No, it won't. Well, I was east. wrong. Yeah, what <laughs> what way do you f- make your whoopees go? <laughs> um, Colette? Uh, so it's the angels who come to Earth because they need more males to breed stronger new angels because they're, like, having a fertility problem or something. That's Racist. who takes up Luke and oh. all the other really virulent male Colette heroes. Colette and Django's story God. became a meta story. Yeah, I thought that Colette was telling the preacher story. No. Because no. the preacher's all about angels. Oh, right, I know. And so is Hellblazer. Yeah. She made it. Well done. Yeah, that was good. Well done to the Western Well done. Wall. Well done to the whoopee whoopee wall. <laughs> I, I meant the, the angels of hell, heaven. like right. an, or heaven, Angela. Wodenheim. The, yeah. Whoa, whoa, Wodenheim. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway. Listen, Everybody, it's been a long day. It's been a long night. My arm itches. Here, itching our arms and scratching them too. Um, (coughs) Mailbag number two in the bank. Everybody, we're gonna get this up. Roman, anything else you needed to talk? Toss it in. Bank. Is it mail bag? Is it ma- mail bank? Nut, mail is it bag mail is in the sack. Nut, nut mail sack? Mail sack. Is that what you wanted it to nut, be? Nut mail. Um, gosh, thanks, Colette, for being here. Oh, Roman, thanks for having me. Thanks for fighting with us all night. <laughs> you and I got to put our jukes up and really take our shirts off and lick our fingers and slap each other. I, know, yeah. like, I enjoyed like, the strip tease. That was my favorite part of the night. He does Thank it you, Robert. Robert. Every it was a great episode. Like, fast on the castias. I'm Jeff. <laughs> and that one. I'm that Robins. Was I'm two that, Robins. That was one. <laughs> I'm Shaw, I guess. And. <laughs> They're gonna think that was me. It was you, but you farted again. I don't oh. fart. I burp. Thank you. <laughs> oh God, I hate this. I hate this stupid show that we do. You're you're a friend of the show, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs>